This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You're going to end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and let me be the first to welcome you to the month of June. (laughs) I remember June 2017 like it was, well, like it was just last year. (laughs) Ha, memories. But we're not here for that. We have a great show today because we're talking about the road less traveled. What if you got in a van and just checked out? That's what one football player did. And also, we'll talk debt. Should you panic about your debt load? Here to help us today from the Wealth Hound blog, we welcome our new BFF, Jason. Plus, from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And from LenPenzo.com, Michael Cohen. I'm just kidding. He's too busy writing out checks to some pretty influential people. It's just Len Penzo. But that's not all. We'll also answer a bloom call for help, serve up some of my trivia, and in our Friday FinTech segment, Worried about whether the companies inside of your portfolio are socially responsible? Here to talk about impact investing, we welcome the CEO of Swell, David Fanger. And now, the guy who thinks the Gettysburg Address is a street in Pennsylvania, Joe Salcihai. It's not a street. I swear it's a street. Welcome. To another episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we've got a great crack team of experts helping me and you through Friday today. And we're going to start off in the desert where my friend Paula Pant, I believe, joins us on my dad shortwave. Paula! Number one, by crack team, I think you mean this team is on crack. <laughs> Maybe. And number two, did you know that in Cincinnati, Ohio, there is actually a memory lane? There is a memory lane. There is. There is quite literally a memory lane. So the Gettysburg address might not be a street, but memory lane is a lane. I think it'd be awesome if there was a Gettysburg address. I'm sure there's a Gettysburg address, isn't there? Yeah, there's got to be. Well, I mean, there's got to be a place called Gettysburg where people have addresses. I heard there's a place called Gettysburg. Might be one of those history book rumors, right? Didn't really happen. (laughs) Like this idea. There's also a memory lane. We could go strolling down memory lane looking for the Gettysburg Address. A guy who loves to stroll down memory lane, tell us grandpa stories from deep underneath Los Angeles, California. It's Mr. Len Penzo. Yes, it's me. And there's also, I wonder if there's Lois Lane. Do you think anybody lives on Lois Lane? Oh, I don't. There's also a Santa Claus lane. Uh, I believe it's in Carpinteria. 
So the world's safest beach, by the way, just south of uh, Santa Barbara. It's just astounding the stuff that Mr. Penzo knows. Like we're uh, not as we're, good as, not we're as speechless. Good as the, uh, the great Greg McFarland, but uh, I'll I'll fill in for him. It is absolutely amazing, Paula. What is the world's second safest beach? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. That's a trivia question. You know, Doug's going to ask that someday. <laughs> you know, that's going to happen. And wondering what the hell he's doing here with us from, I don't know, he's got to be in Michigan because he's got my favorite logo behind him as I'm looking through the shortwave, the Sparty logo. It's our good friend Jason from the Wealthhound blog. Hey, man. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. I uh, I wish I was in Michigan. I'm actually out in the city of Oaks, which is Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. Ah. So. I uh, I'll be moving back to Michigan in August, though, so then I'll I'll be back home. But still, a basketball fan. You got lots of basketball in Raleigh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, North Carolina, Duke. It's a great place to be. How did you come it's up true. with it? How did you come up with the name of your blog, Wealth Hound? Yeah. So my dog is a hound. Like any blogger, anyone that's ever started a website uh, knows when you sit down and try and think of the name, you're just like brainstorming for anything, grabbing at anything you got. And so uh, I was looking at my dog, and I thought, ah. The hound, like, I can make this into money somehow. So <laughs> the wealth hound it was. I like that. Does that mean that your dog could eventually become a tax write-off? Ooh, oh. That's a good question. If so, I'm definitely going to look into that. <laughs> I would think his dog probably is a tax write-off now. Keep that thing alive. Take pictures of it, right? And uh, all the kibble that you want is is uh, tax deductible. <laughs> that's not tax advice, go. by the way. That's Joe, uh, <laughs> that's Joe getting you in big trouble. I was going to name my show Afford Anything. I, like, had that down. It was all set to go, and then somebody stole out from under me, but I don't know who that is. Not only do I uh, have the brand afford anything, I got it trademarked, finally. Damn it. Foiled again. So we had to go with Stacking Benjamins, Jason, but we're glad you're here. You know what else we're glad for? What's that, Joe? We're glad that Magnify Money sponsors this show, because the average person who goes to Magnify Money saves $450 when they use that website. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Instead of walking into your bank and just saying, what do you got? Why wouldn't you look for best-in-class products, whether it's your checking account, savings account, if you need a consolidation loan, get those student loans in order, whatever it might be, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Also, thanks to College Backer for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Paula Pant, college is expensive. That's what I hear. That's rumor has it. Sign up at collegebacker.com forward slash SB and you'll get a $10 match. That means it's only going to be $887,000, $886,990 after you save that 10 bucks from College Backer. Uh, get a $10 match when you start a college fund for your own family or send a gift to kick someone else's college fund off. Collegebacker.com forward slash SB. Once again, Len, College Backer making it really easy to use that code two letters it doesn't get much easier than that you know i would remember when colleges used to pay us to go to college that's how old i am when did that happen <laughs> tell us that story grandpa i don't know what that happened i have no idea what len's talking about as usual so we're just going to go to the headlines so let's move hello darlings and now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking benjamin's headlines our first headline comes to us from USA Today. This is written by Tom Shad. Joe Hawley retired from the NFL. Then he moved into a van and hit the road in search of a new path. Len Penzo, this sounded really cool to me. This dude leaves the NFL. Well, do you mind telling the story? Well, sure. Uh, gentleman, uh, Joe Hawley, he uh, been playing football, I guess, since high school, because it said like 20, 20 years or so. It was a long time. But he went to the NFL. He played football for 
oh, many years until he turned 29. And basically, you know, his body got beat up. Uh, he eventually retired, but it looks like it was more of a forced retirement. They, they, uh, yeah. they kind of didn't need him anymore. And so he decided, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And at first he wanted to be a coach. He said he was going to be a football coach. But then he said, you know what? No, I kind of like the freedom of, of just not having to be so rigid. Football was ruling his life. And it was I guess it was taking the fun out of everything. So he decided to get this van and he got a custom. I forget what kind of van it is, but he it was like a $55,000 van he bought used. He put $15,000 into it to customize it, put couch and cabinets and a mini sink and and all kinds of goodies in there. And he's basically now living out of his van, this really cool van, and he's driving around the country with him and his dog, and he's just taking life one day at a time. Do you and think it's really cool? I think it is cool. But Jason, do you think this is something that a football player can do and you and I can't? No, I think anybody can do it. I was reading through the story and I could definitely relate to it. I'm getting ready to turn 29, so I'm right at that same kind of age group, getting ready to go through a transition as well in my life. And, man, there's been times where I'm like, I just want to sell everything, get an RV, get a van, and drive and travel in the country. Uh, my wife has quickly told me that that ship has sailed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you never know. I think anybody can do this. It just uh, just got to make sure that your ducks are in a row. And, I mean, he's got the advantage of having – 13 million dollars in the bank or whatever but uh if you budget correctly and and can make some income at the same time you can do it paul i'm disappointed that neither len nor jason had the phrase down by the river i mean we got the <laughs> van we got to go down to the river you know the great thing about vans is that there's so many puns like it's fantastic or vanna white or if you take it to new york it's the van hatton project or if you spend a lot of time sleeping in it you've got rip van winkle rip van winkle <laughs> You're on fire. Uh, <laughs> tip your weight staff. She's here all week. So you know that this is what Will is doing right now, yeah? Do I? I don't know that. Yeah, he's he's living in a van. He got a big Ford, some sort of a Ford, the type that he's six foot two, and it's tall enough that he can stand up straight in it. And he retrofitted it. He built a bed with storage underneath, like slide out drawers. And he's uh, he's traveling around quite a bit. So Memorial Day weekend, he's going to be up in the Pacific Northwest, and then he's traveling to Colorado, and this, this, and that, and the other. He's he's on the road. What is this wanderlust, you think, Paula? I mean, what, why does somebody like a Joe Holly or uh, Will Sisk go do this stuff? <laughs> well, partially, when you have friends who live all across the United States, you know, you want to visit your friends, but they're scattered all over the place, and so it becomes a lot easier to be able to to keep in touch with friends and family if you can jump in a van, drive around, see them. You can stay with them when you want to and when they want you to, but you're not reliant on them. You've got your own bed, you've got your own setup, so uh, you've got the just the privacy of your own place. So I think that's part of the appeal. The other part of it, Will and I, back in 2009, 2009, 2010, we lived in a Nissan Patrol for 10 months. Uh, so this is in Australia. We flew into Perth. We bought a Nissan Patrol, or as they call it, a Nissan, and then we drove 28,000 kilometers around the perimeter of Australia, going from Perth up to Broome, then Darwin, then Keynes, down to Sydney, Melbourne. We took it over to Tassie and then up to Uluru, and then we eventually sold it in Sydney again. So that was 10 months of living in a car, and a van would be much more comfortable because a van you can at least stand up in. We were like straight up living in a car, so this is a huge upgrade. <laughs> huge, huge. Will is living large right now. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, Len, Paula mentioned uh, that she drove 28,000 kilometers. What is that, like seven miles? Is that seven, eight miles? Is that yeah, what that is? About, uh, what is that? That's about uh, 17,000 miles. The, the, the math eluding me on that one. But for somebody like you, a guy working for the man, is this the type of thing that you can do, or is this the type of thing you got to wait for retirement for? I mean, could you take a sabbatical, kind of figure out your life, buy a van? Me personally, or you just take off? No, no, you personally, because a lot of people listening to this, they go, well, it's great for Joe Hawley. He just finished a career to Jason's point, you know, making made a ton of money in the NFL. Is this something that well, Joe 95 can do? I, personally, I wouldn't do it. I'm a guy who prefers creature comforts. I like my house. I like, I'm a homebody and I like taking showers in a, my shower. I can't imagine. What does this guy do for showers? Does he, does he shower in the truck stops all over the place? Does he, uh, you, know, oh, you know, I'm just kind of, huh? I, I, I can answer that. Yeah. What's he doesn't Three shower things. at all. So number, number one, yeah, there's the truck stop showers, which are, by the way, it depends on the truck stop you go to. <laughs> I have showered in those. There are some fantastic ones. So, okay, one option is truck stop shower. Another option is if you belong to a gym that has locations across the country, like a uh, chain franchise. Lifetime. You can go kind of shower thing. there. Yeah. Uh, ding, ding, the, ding. The third yes. option is, of course, if you have friends, which if you're traveling around a lot, you're going to be visiting friends and family. You can shower with them. And then the fourth option is there are these things called solar showers, which is basically a bag that you put on top of the vehicle, uh, water, and that water gets warmed with the warmth of the sun. And then from that, you can shower off. What type I recommend of- if anybody's trying to shower in a truck stop or a gym, your shower shoes are going to be important. <laughs> <laughs> or lots of, uh, what is that, Ambisol or whatever the heck that is for athlete's foot, right? Actin to actin or whatever that, that uh, John Madden commercial. Fast yeah, actin to actin. <laughs> athlete's foot or something i don't know but jason if you're planning something like this let's say you want to be the next joe holly and take off where do you think the planning's got to start yeah you i mean you got to make sure it's realistic for you obviously for some people you know if you have like a large family and young kids you might not be able to do it but for him it was relatively straightforward i mean he had the money uh, and he was transitioning out of his career so i think it was a perfect fit for him to kind of travel the world and figure out what the next path was going to be for him. Beyond that, I mean, you got to make sure you have some money to get by. I mean, unless you plan on begging on the corner, but uh, you got to have a little bit of money in the bank and just got to kind of have a plan to, to get where you need to be. I mean, I think that's a good start. How much planning did you and Will do when you uh, did the Australia trip? Oh, not much really. I mean, so we were living on a budget of about a thousand dollars per month per person. And almost all of it, which went to petrol and food. Beyond that, I mean, when we landed, the Nissan Patrol cost, I think, seven or $8,000. And then we spent about a week or so. We used couchsurfing.org to stay at somebody's house for free for a week. And then during that time, we retrofitted it. So we built like we built in shelves and we put them on sliders so that you could slide them down and turn it into a bed. But all of that took about a week. And I know with Will's van, the one that he's in right now, the actual build-out time for that van was about two and a half weeks. Although, I mean, he spent a lot of time thinking about it. Sure. But the actual building, the the physical building time was two and a half weeks. I'm sad that we made it all the way through that piece and we didn't talk about a band van down by the river. But, oh well. Hey, Maybe. I want to bring one, one thing up, though, Joe. You know, this guy has $13 million bucks, but he doesn't live like it. They, they made the point in there that he's he's always lived very modestly. 
And, uh, and and that's something that's worth noting that, you know, a lot of these people don't don't think just because they're multimillionaires means they live large. They don't. And so he's really well equipped. The money's almost irrelevant for this guy because he's so minimalist in how he lives. You think he's going to figure out what he wants out of life on the road? Or do you think he's yeah, already I, figured it out? I give him I give him nine months and I say he'll be done. Oh, you think he'll be ready to be off the road? Yeah. But you see people that live a lot longer than that on the road. I know, but but he keeps talking about loneliness. It was mentioned at least twice in this article, so we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, it seems like uh, he's a he needs companionship. Jason, what's the chance you can get your wife to say that ship is coming back in? I say about a zero percent chance. At one point, we were strongly considering doing it just because of the stage of life we were in, uh, but we're expecting a kid soon, so uh, probably not going to happen. I forgot to ask you about that. You thought you might have a new member of the Wealthon family by today, and that hasn't happened yet. That has not happened, and no matter what happened, my wife said, "Hey, you're going to do this." So, uh, but she's not in labor. If I if I get a knock on the door, that's where that's what's going on. All of a sudden, Jason's out of here. If all of a sudden Jason's not on the show anymore, we know why. Yeah, yeah. Her due date was four days ago. Holy cow! Which is kind of baloney, by the way, because really, if you think about it, she can have other kids, but you're on the Stacking Benjamin show, dude. This is like a one-time opportunity versus having a kid. I mean, where are your priorities at? Let's move on to our second piece, which uh, comes to us from halfbanked.com. The blogger uh, Desiree over there does a great job. Uh, She's talking, Paula Pant, about debt, paying off debt. Did I miss the panic memo? When she, she has debt, she admits she has debt, not really panicked about it. Should you be panicked about it if you have debt? Well, it depends on what type of debt you have. So if you've got high interest consumer credit card debt, then yeah, I would panic because particularly if you're paying a double digit interest rate, that's scary stuff and it's going to add up fast. But if you've got reasonable debt, if you've got a student loan at a three or four or even 5% interest rate, if you've got a mortgage, those are you know interest rates that are about the level of inflation, historic inflation. That's not something I would really sweat about. Len, I like this idea that she presents that I don't see that often. Like Pola talks about it in high interest rate debt, low interest rate debt. She talks about planned debt and unplanned debt. And I remember a couple of weeks ago on the Bloom Call for Help, you gave Rod some advice saying, hey, go take out some, a loan, right? And I'm sure half of our listeners went, oh, take out a loan. And you're like, no, what's the big deal? If it's a planned loan and you plan for it and you want it, big deal. Like planned debt, not that big a thing. No, I don't think it is. If Let's define plan, though, right? So there's planned where people will say, oh, it's a, uh, I need a new car and uh, I have bad credit, but uh, they'll give me the loan at uh, 18% interest. I'm planning it. That's not good planned debt. But if you're thinking about it, thinking about what you're getting into with your loan, maybe it's a lower interest loan for something to start a business or whatever, and, and you're planning that way, then that is then that is fine. That's totally fine. There's lots of good debt, and not all debt is bad. And I think you know she makes a good point there on you just have to not just plan it, but know the ramifications of what you're planning for. But yeah, just because we call it good debt, I think some people hear the term, you say good debt, Len, and they think, well, then, okay, then I'm going to take that debt. Good debt by that means, you know, you can leverage that debt to make more money in the long run, like starting a business. You're going to start a business. You're going to go, you're going to, of course, you're going to take a loan out, but the returns down the road will more than make up for the cat. You'll have plenty of cash flow to cover that loan. Same for a, um, 
what, what else? You know, college, if you do have get a student loan and you're getting a degree that's actually going to have a decent return on your investment, then that's okay too. But you, again, there's certain degrees. If you're planning on going to college and you're going to take out a student loan, $100,000 worth of student loans, and you're, you're getting some, I don't know, whatever, I'm not going to offend anybody, but some major that doesn't pay have a high salary coming out of college, maybe that's not a good idea. Well, so maybe not to, to get into debt for. Maybe not a good idea to get into debt for. Right. Correct. Yes, yes. But I, I really wanted you to say the, the name of the major. That's what I was hoping for, and I'm disappointed. Oh, you want me to say it? I'll say it. <laughs> I'll pick one. I'll, sure, I'll take some. You want some letters? <laughs> you want I, me to? I don't know. Let's stick with this idea. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I go to the brink and then I pull it back. Yeah. Let's say this. If it's not a STEM degree, you're you're taking a risk. No. I'll go that direction. I was Eng- Oh, oh, did you just did you just wave me off there? I was an English creative writing major and I get to sit here with you and it was <laughs> fantastic. Not a STEM major at all. Paula, were you a STEM major? Oh no, I uh, majored in sociology, minored in philosophy. Why? No, that's bad. <laughs> Sorry. I got can't help it. Oh, but I'm uh, yeah. philosophy. Uh, Jason, you a STEM guy? I am a STEM guy. I, did, I studied math in college. so There it is. There's the new Greg McFarlane right there. Studied math. <laughs> uh, Jason, this idea of planned versus unplanned. The new uh, member of the Wealthhound family, planned or unplanned? Uh, he was definitely planned, so we're we're in good shape in that regard. There's a lot of planning. Seriously, talk about debt. There's a lot of planning that goes on with a with a baby. I mean, things are gonna they're gonna change. Absolutely, yeah. And at sometimes I don't think I know what I'm getting myself into, but uh, I try to leverage the people around me and uh, get their advice. And I think it's gonna be manageable. We we got a plan uh, set out for our family and I think we'll be all right. She goes through how she handles her debt. How do you handle debt, Jason? Well, it's interesting. As I thought about the story, I thought about the little bit of debt that we've had in our uh, family. And when we first started out, we had some student loans that we were trying to take care of. And for me, those were unplanned because I inherited them from my wife. And so even before we got married, we started taking those on and just I just wanted to pay them off as quick as possible. But now looking back at that situation, if I was in that same situation today, I would I would handle it differently uh, and I would probably just pay what I need to and invest the difference. Excellent. Uh, Last words, guys, uh, from both of these pieces, we've got uh, the football player hitting the road. We got maybe not panicking on your debt. Paula, ladies first. What are the big takeaways? I say if you have the ability to live in a, in a car or a van or a camper or an RV or go backpacking around the world and stay in Airbnbs or stay at hostels, have that type of experience at some point in your life because it's eye-opening. Len Penzo? For the first one, I'd say when you have a, a minimalist lifestyle and you don't have a lot of debt, you have the freedom to do that kind of thing. That kind of stuff is harder to do when you're deep in debt. And for the second thing... For the second story there, I'd say, uh, you know, not all debt is bad. Make sure you're smart about it. Jason, you're the guest. You get the last word, man. Well, I don't know if we mentioned it, but the guy's name is Freedom, or the guy's dog's name is Freedom, which I think is awesome. So I wanted to hit that. The other part for the debt piece, I think you've heard the saying, don't lose sight of the forest for the trees. So if you think about your financial plan as the forest, Debt can be one of the trees in the forest, but you don't want to lose sight of all the other trees out there that are uh, your investing, uh, your savings. Uh, those are the other parts. So don't get tunnel vision, lose sight of everything else that's important to you. 
I was excited to hear about this company. Swell is an impact investing platform that helps people invest in high growth companies that are solving global challenges. So if you're someone that's worried about how the things that you invest in are actually helping the world, this interview is going to be for you. So with today's Friday FinTech segment coming down the stairs, we're going to talk to Dave Fanger from Swell. Let's say hello to Dave. Dave, how are you, man? Have a seat. Joe, good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm glad while you're on the Swell Tour, you were able to stop by the basement and talk to us. I, I love founding stories, and you guys have such a cool mission. How did Swell begin? Yeah, it was really stems from like an idea around conscious consumerism. People were you know, shopping with their values in mind, whether that was social or environmental or some type of a cause they really believed in. And as they were thinking about purchasing goods out in the world, they said, hey, how does this align with my cause? And when I looked at that and said, hey, you know, I don't see that in the investment world. And I've spent, you know, all of my years in my professional career in investment and financial services. And I said, why is there not a way for you to invest with your values in mind? And that really led me to this path of creating Swell Investing, which is providing you now a way online that's accessible, a way to invest in portfolios of companies that are addressing social and environmental challenges that align with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Things like, okay, invest in companies that are addressing clean water, clean energy, or eradicating disease. I'm curious about, because people use, as you know, Dave, different terminologies What's the difference between impact investing and socially conscious investing? Yeah, I agree. There's so many terms being thrown around out there. Uh, it's really a spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, some of the ways of thinking about it are ethical investing, where you might screen out companies like, let's say, tobacco or firearms. And then on the other end of the spectrum is impact investing, where you're actually trying to identify the companies in their business that are aligning with these UN Sustainable Development Goals that have products that are addressing, let's say, clean water. You might create a water pump. Uh, so that's actually something in your business. So that would be impact investing. And then if you think about that entire spectrum, whether it's ethical, ESG investing, or impact investing, that's all categorized as socially responsible investing. Gotcha. Okay. So if I'm building a portfolio then at Swell, walk me through it. I go to swellinvesting.com. And what happens then? Yeah. So once you get swellinvesting.com and that's available on your mobile device or desktop or iPad, you have a couple of options. One option is to say, okay, I'm ready to invest. I'm going to sign up. So there'll be a few questions that you would answer. You would then get to choose among a number of portfolios that are thematic in nature. So if you're somebody that says, you know what, I believe in zero waste or I believe in renewable energy, uh, you would select those portfolios and then you would link your bank account. And then you would make your first deposit or even set up a recurring deposit. So that's that's one path. Another path is to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to invest yet. I want to learn a little bit more. So you can still come to the site. We're very transparent. Uh, and you can check out the portfolios and how they're performing over their, their track record over a year now. You could also check out a lot of great content on our blog. Uh, we write a lot about impact investing 
and the companies that are in our portfolios. There's roughly 300. So you can learn about what the companies are doing, even click on every company in our portfolios that we offer to see how are they in their business addressing an impact solution to address these social environmental challenges. How does it work, Dave, the, the investment? Am I invested in a bunch of different companies? Does it feel like an exchange traded fund? Is it more like a mutual fund with a manager attached? Yeah, the beautiful part here is that we've created this as what are called separately managed accounts so that you're getting access to be a shareholder. So you actually own the shares of these companies. And the beautiful thing about now is the technology allows you to have fractional shares. So even when you're depositing, let's say, $50, you're owning a fractional share of Tesla. So you get access to being a shareholder. Uh, that gives you a right for proxy voting, for raising shareholder resolutions, and even the ability to curate your portfolio. So you could remove uh, companies that you feel like don't align with your values uh, uh, if you invest as well. So my, I could have, let's say, a zero waste portfolio that's different from your zero waste portfolio. That's correct. Yeah, that's the, the great thing about it. You can curate your own zero waste portfolio if you felt like something just didn't align with you. That's really neat. And, and when I'm investing, you know, I was a financial advisor back in the dark ages, Dave. And and back then, I remember hearing about socially responsible investing. Nobody was talking about impact investing. And I remember a bunch of financial advisors rolling their eyes going, oh, well, that's great, but but you don't have the same returns. But now you look at the names in these portfolios you're working with, Dave. These are names that people hear every day. Yeah, absolutely. If you look through a lot of these companies and many of them small and mid cap in nature, but you'll notice that these are really poised for growth because we're now addressing something that just we've realized is just not sustainable. I mean, it's it's been out there. We're aware of it. But you start thinking about, you know, day zero in Cape Town. Uh, you start thinking about uh, the air pollution uh, that's taking place across not only in the U.S., but internationally. We start thinking about all these issues that we're facing with energy, whether that's a need for solar or wind. These are all, you know, companies that are providing that. So that's why they're they're poised for growth. And we often appoint folks, even on our site, to see that over the past 25 years, there's a socially responsible index out there called MSCI KLD 400, and it's actually outperformed uh, the S&P right. 500. So that's right. something to kind of take a look at when you're thinking about, am I sacrificing return? Because we would say, uh, no, you know, you're actually uh, meeting or exceeding uh, the broad market. Yeah, I think it's a huge misconception from the old, 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 old days. But uh, when we take a look at these portfolios, is there an amount of money that I have to have to start off with? Like a lot of mutual funds, I need $2,000 to begin. Yeah, the minimum investment at Swell is $50. We wanted to make sure that it was accessible because historically, uh, you know, to get into a socially responsible fund, it would take thousands of dollars as a minimum investment. Right. So it was important for us to be able to put this out and be quite accessible and just really grow awareness around what are the companies that are driving impact and really what you could be doing in your local home, local community to address these issues too. So it's all about really a platform uh, that's impact investing. This is not just a product uh, to invest in, but more of a lifestyle, we believe. And then I'm sure, I'm, I'm going to ask the question anyway, but I'm sure then I can hook up like an automatic investment plan where I invest every month or every couple of weeks or whatever it might be. Yes, you can set up a recurring deposit because that's very important. You know, any Anybody that's um, quite familiar with Benjamin Graham and the intelligent investor, you know, a common thing that's noted is a dollar cost averaging program. So investing uh, even weekly is available at Swell. Uh, so, yeah, if, if individuals sign up 
as well, then you know we encourage you to think about putting together a recurring deposit, whether that's weekly or monthly. Can I have an IRA, Wiswell, an IRA or a uh, or a Roth IRA? Yeah, so we offer individual taxable accounts, so a typical brokerage account, and we also offer uh, an option to open up an IRA. So you could either roll over a 401k or set up a new IRA okay. if um, you'd like to choose that that form of an account for your tax deferred savings. You know, generally when I've heard about separately managed accounts, you and I both know that sometimes those seem like very high fee accounts, but I was surprised by how much lower the fees were for Swell than most of the separately, well, than frankly, almost all the separately managed accounts I've ever seen. Walk through the fees with me, if you don't mind. Yeah, so our fee all in is 75 basis points. And that's um, another way of saying it is, you know, less than 1%, 0.75%. And we assess that one fee against your assets under management. That comes out to be on our minimum investment of fifty dollars thirty-seven cents a year, and it's very simple and transparent because you know so many of these platforms and products have you know fees all over the place, and it's not not transparent at all. So we wanted to make sure we just put out there one all-inclusive fee. Uh, so that's that's what we've got seventy-five basis points, and you know when you're on the site, there's actually a fees area that you can go to, and you can type in kind of in a calculator format, what you're thinking about investing, and then you can see what that is in in a dollar amount of some type. And then uh, I guess my last question is, there must be something, Dave, that that people don't know about Swell, or they're surprised to hear when you talk about Swell that, uh, that they didn't expect. What is that thing? The main thing, you know, to know about Swell, I would say that's kind of a Uh, an aha moment is how aligned we are with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. We have every company in our portfolio with revenue that is tied in their business uh, to one of those 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And I think that's one of the key things you'll see that's very different from other platforms out there is that alignment, but also the transparency to see as you click on each company and see how is you know aligned with that goal. So if you were in our zero waste portfolio, you might click on Mohawk Industries and you would learn that they produce carpet from recycled plastic bottles. Huh. So it's, it's a great educational moment throughout the site. And the site is swellinvesting.com. We'll have a link in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Dave, thanks for hanging out and explaining Swell to us. It was great sitting here and having this conversation over socially responsible investing and growing awareness around not only what Swell is doing, but the important thing uh, with these UN Sustainable Development Goals. So thank you for your time. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and whoa, how about impact investing, huh? I like to do my own impact investing, although... We call it smashing cans against our forehead before recycling. I like to stick with the small stuff. None of that car crash impact investing. Although we had a different name for that activity too. We called it insurance fraud. (laughs) But impact investing sounds much more hip. Hey, I looked around and apparently this impact investing is a bigger deal than I originally thought. The Parnassus Core Equity Fund is the largest impact investing mutual fund. How much money does it hold in assets? I'll be back with your answer right after the team deliberates their guesses. Thanks to College Backer for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, College Backer is the easiest way to save for college with help from family and friends. 
Check out CollegeBack if you want to help your kids avoid those huge student loan problems you see in the press every day. See that guy, that orthodontist that has over a million dollars in student loans? Over a million dollars in student loans. You don't want that. CollegeBacker will help you find a great 529 plan with tax-free growth and tax-free withdrawals. CollegeBacker, and I love this, they give you a simple custom link like collegebacker.com forward slash Luke for you to share, which makes it easy for family and friends to help you and your kids save for college. Kids grow up way faster than you think. I can't believe my kids are 23 years old. Imagine turning some of those holiday and birthday toys that they never use into college savings. So sign up at collegebacker.com forward slash SB and you'll get a $10 match when you select either start saving for college today for your child or if you select give the gift of college savings to kick off somebody else's college fund. It's collegebacker.com forward slash SB to sign up and begin a new college fund. Stacky Benjamins is also supported by Magnify Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money when it's time for you to compare, ditch, switch, and save when it comes to the financial products that are important for you. You know, what's interesting is a lot of people will just walk into that brick and mortar bank and say, what have you got? Not knowing that if you just go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you've got over 92% of the stuff on the internet right there at your fingertips and you can have the best of the best, like an all-star team, right? Like we do on every Friday, I want to go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and you'll hear me typing there as I go to savings accounts. It defaults to balance transfer, so if I need to balance transfer some credit cards to a lower interest rate, I can do that. But I click on savings accounts and immediately, looks like we're up to 1.9% now. How about that? Pure Point Financial. Uh, now, bad news is it tells me it's a $10,000 minimum deposit. Also, kind of bad news, it says there's lots of fine print. Magnified Money gives every one of these a fine print score. So 1.85% for Salem 5 Direct gives me a B when it comes to fine print score, but my minimum deposit is only a penny. So it's as easy as that. You can compare very quickly the best stuff out there, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. All right, guys. So we're talking impact investing, maybe a little different uh, lens than, than Doug thinks impact <laughs> That might not mean what he thinks it means. I have got to meet this guy, man. I want to I want to have a beer with this guy. <laughs> that would be scary, the two of you in a room together. I I of course dug in a room with anybody to start off with. But anyway, <laughs> all right, all right, Jason, do you know the rules to our little game? I think I need a refresher. All right, it is and for those of you playing the home game, by the way, we'll refresh you too. It is going to be the closest without going over. Whenever we do the trivia on Friday, it's a little different than Monday or Wednesday. We always give you a number and there's no way in hell anybody will know that number. So it's always <laughs> going to be the closest number without going over. So uh, you are the guest. Paula won last week. What the hell's up with that, Paula? I know, right? <laughs> it's cra <laughs> crazy. Lucky yeah, guess. we know, Paula. We know. Right. So, so that means Len gets to choose after Paula. But Jason, you get to decide which guess you take. Uh, do you want to go first in the middle or last? I'll go last. Oh, there, there, there it is. Smart man, smart man. There it is. That means I'm going first, huh? Oh, and did you tell him about the one, the oh, the Price is Right rule? It is the closest without going over, which means, yep. $1. yeah, everybody knows what that means. Yeah, Jason just nailed it, which, which if you want to play that game, 
might not have any friends here at the end, but you know, just burn your appearance <laughs> before you leave. <laughs> burn it to the ground and go home. All right, here we go. Paula, you are going first. The Parnassus Core Equity Fund, biggest yeah, impact. How much money? How yeah. much money does it have? Biggest impact so investing fund. What is difficult about this question? I'm just going to walk you through my thought process. The first thought that popped into my head was 234 million because 234 are consecutive numbers and then million sounded like a good way to end that. <laughs> um, but then I thought, you know what, if it's the biggest fund, that might be too small. And maybe we're not talking about millions. Maybe we're talking billions or maybe we're talking about a higher number of millions. I don't know. If a thousand million is a billion, then does that mean we're in the high <laughs> hundreds of millions? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with 200. <laughs> I didn't even hear that. I just, I, well, I heard it. I, well, I, I heard that. I heard Steve very quickly hitting the edit button. Uh, but what's your number? 234 million. 234 million. Mr. Penzo, that means it's your guess. My sentiments exactly, Paula. I, I really, I, I have no idea even where to begin, but I did think this would be, the number will be in the billions. That, that would be my guess. I really, I have no idea. My favorite number is 17, so I'm going to say 17 billion. Wow. Whoa, From, that's way different than 234 million. <laughs> yes, it is. Slightly. Jason, orders of magnitude. Jason, the good news is you got a little room to work with between those field goal posts. That's Just right. Slightly. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how uh, how big I want to go. I mean, I agree. It's definitely in the millions or the billions. Um, I don't want to. Well, narrows it down. I don't want to make any. <laughs> I don't want to make any enemies. So I'm not going to go one dollar. <laughs> let's go. Let's go one billion. Even one billion. One billion dollars. And by the way, way to play nice. That's very nice. That's right. <laughs> I I totally wouldn't have done that, but. Uh, Neither would I. No, I just have no idea, so I figure I might as well just throw a guess out. Might as well go. All right, uh, Doug, give us the answer, man. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And wow, according to Joe's mom's impact investing means something way different than I'd originally thought. Huh. Well, that makes... A lot more sense, actually, because when I looked at today's trivia answer, wow, are there lots of people out there making an impact. Here was the question. The Parnassus Core Equity Fund is the largest impact investing mutual fund on earth. How much money is in the fund? According to Morningstar, the Parnassus Core Equity Fund manages a whopping $15.6 billion. Now that's quite an impact. I'm glad Joe's mom helped me figure out what impact investing was all about. Now... I'm off to talk about the fire movement with some people. You think I should burn charcoal during the movement, or I think leaves is leaves is probably enough. Yeah, I, I, I think it's leaves. Leaves is probably fine for this whole fire thing. So many questions about fire. See ya. Uh, I think he might be getting that one wrong too. Jason, you're the winner, man. Hey, what do you know? Not bad. This price of right rule sucks, Joe. <laughs> you were just high. Just, ah. just high. Which is what they said about you in college sometimes, wasn't it? <laughs> just high. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. You know what those three O's mean? Looks like somebody needs help. All three of those O's are sponsored by Bloom Smart Simple 401k Management. 
You know, back there at the start of the year, you were looking at your 401k and you thought maybe those target date funds look good. You know what? Unless it's one of just a couple families, Paula, I hate target date funds. Like target date funds just absolutely we did a we did a something on money in the morning showing that they actually went uh past uh was it a hundred trillion dollars? I think it might have been a hundred trillion dollars. Oh, is this is this the next trivia question? Yeah, we're gonna guess. <laughs> yeah, but we just did a thing where it so- went past two hundred and thirty-four million dollars. <laughs> right? We did this thing where it went by some big number, and I went, "Wow!" Because unless it's like Vanguard's or Fidelity, target date funds suck. You and I have talked about this on my show, which is a blatant plug. We've had right. this conversation about how m- most target date funds. They put a bunch of expensive funds in there, and then they charge you another fee on top of it. Now, Vanguard is an exception. Vanguard has really beautifully priced target date funds that I would recommend to anyone. Other than that, most of them suck. And that's why we wanted Bloom to be our sponsor was because if you're going to pick a target date fund, you can do so much better. Bloom is $10 a month. Even if you don't hire Bloom, they'll go into your 401k and do an analysis of which funds are good and which funds aren't good. All you have to do is head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash. Is that for Len? SB. <laughs> no. Bloom. There Bloom. it is. <laughs> he's got one thing to do, Paula. Every stinking week he's got one That's thing one to do. Job. It's a 50-50 chance. Okay, flip a coin. It's, it's, it's he like can't figure it out. And I'm drinking, and the beer isn't helping, okay? No. no I'm still ouching over that last, that trivia question. The beer at 6 a.m. has got to stop. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Bloom. There it is. Somebody told me uh, this last week that they can't say Bloom without hearing your voice, which is Thank awesome. You. And when you go there, enter promo code Bloom. <laughs> no. SB. <laughs> and you'll get your first month free and you can see the difference Bloom can make in your retirement. And by the way, it doesn't matter what 401k you have. Bloom will help anybody. And Stephen in our closed Facebook group said that if you've got an HSA and you're a Bloom customer, they'll help you with that too. You got to be a Bloom customer though. But if you're using a target date fund, check out Bloom. I will. All right. And today we're going to throw out the Bloom helpline to our new friend, Zach. Say hi, Zach. Hey, Joe and OG. I'm a 16 year old kid whose dream is to be a financial advisor. I want to get a head start into learning the world of finance. My question is, for a 16-year-old like me, what is the best way to learn finance? Any advice would be great. How great is that? Thank you for the question, Zach. 16 years old, calling into the Bloom helpline. What were you thinking about, Jason, at 16? Not becoming a financial advisor, (laughs) uh, that's for sure. I wasn't either. I can't imagine. Just that's fantastic. So, Jason, advice for a 16-year-old thinking about finance. Yeah. First of all, we already covered it a little bit, but props to you, Zach, on uh, thinking that forward in terms of what you want to do with your life. There's really two parts to this as I was thinking about it. The first is kind of the formal uh, finance education. I would recommend, you know, going to school and and learning as much as you can. And then on your own, just start doing some reading, you know, go to the Google machine and type in top personal finance books. And that will be a good start in terms of kind of learning some of the basics. The other side of it is something that I don't necessarily think that you'll learn in school. And I'm not a financial advisor, so I'll caveat that. But 
uh, just start talking to people and talking to, you know, hit the blogs, hit the forums, talk to your friends and family as much as they're willing to talk about money and learn about their financial story. Because one of the things I didn't realize uh, until I grew up a little bit is that each person's financial upbringing is different. Everybody looks at money differently. So kind of understanding how those factors play into someone's view of money and their financial plan will be extremely important if you become a financial advisor and and being able to apply those to uh, whatever advice you have for them. I love that. And I agree with you totally. Psychology is every bit as important and learning where people come from is every bit as important as knowing about money. But uh, Paula, what would you add to that? A couple of things. So there are a few books that I would recommend. This is more just in terms of your baseline understanding of finance. Read The Millionaire Next Door, which I think is one of the best books in terms of just understanding money. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and also the follow-up Cashflow Quadrant. Those two are excellent in terms of thinking about money. And listen podcasts. There are a lot of great podcasts out there, and you can listen you know, while you're driving. And, you know, it's it's not something... You don't have the passive barrier as you do with a book because you can you can listen audibly. So that is what I would do. And the other thing is the major financial decision that you are about to make is college. You're going to have to figure out where you're going, how much you're going to pay, what kind of loans you're going to take out. So I would just start binge reading everything you can about how to make that decision. There's a an author called Zach Bissonette who has written a lot about college debt, college loans. I would read his work. I would uh, probably read articles on studentloanhero.com. And yeah, just just start diving deep into that topic. Len, does it surprise you that Paula's answer was read, 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 listen, read? No, not at all. And that's basically, I mean, that's a great start. I mean, that just learn as much as you can. That, that's what I would say. On top of what already, already has been said, which is great advice, uh, Zach, is Ask your parents if they'll let you see their finances. Start asking them what they're doing, how they're managing their their money as well. Maybe you can start getting some insights from there. And then the other thing I think you should need to focus on, and which a lot of people don't understand, is understand what money is. If you don't understand what money is, it can kind of mess things up. So my recommendation to you is uh, read some books by uh, Mike Maloney. Look at his Hidden Secrets of Money. You can get that on YouTube. And uh, learn what money is. And I think that's a good starting point as well. And then Paula Len's going to say, then build yourself a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, that's, yes, that, that's the advanced course, but one thing at a time. <laughs> I also like this idea of thinking about how people think, because I think that financial planning is two different things. I mean, investor behavior is a big piece of winning and being able to get into people's head and influence them and and studying leadership. I mean, I totally agree with Paula that reading a ton about investment philosophy and investment how-to and to Len's point, the bedrock of how the financial system works, I think that's all important. But you're going to have to lead people. And lead people. leading people to do the right thing is very difficult, especially when the majority of the time doing nothing is the right thing to do. And convincing people, if you're going to be a financial advisor, that you're actually worth keeping in the corner when you're telling them that doing nothing is the perfect thing 
is this contradiction that only the best advisors are able to bridge. So I'd study leadership. I think studying leadership is an important thing to add to what all of, I love what all of you said. Thanks for the question, Zach. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackingbenjamins.com. And right at the top, it says questions for the show. And like Zach, we'll, uh, we'll put you on the Bloom call for help. Thanks for hanging out, guys. That's going to do it for today. Let's find out what's going on where you live. Uh, Paula, what's happening over there at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we've aired an interview with Laura Adams about how she paid off thousands of dollars of credit card debt. Uh, We've got an interview with Scott Rickens, who is filming a documentary about the FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement. So he's going to talk about how he became part of that movement and the movie that he's making about it. And speaking of leadership, Joe, we have uh, on the Afford Anything podcast in early June, we have an interview with Shane Snow, who just authored the book Dream Teams, about how groups come together and become really just excellent teams, ones that function better together than they do alone. So that's a, a fantastic leadership book. And we'll have the author, Shane Snow, on the podcast, on the Afford Anything podcast. Awesome. Mr. Penzo, what's happening at lenpenzo.com? Uh, this week, it's we're talking about the ethics of found money. What happens when you find a $100 bill on the ground? Do you turn it in? Do you take it to the counter and tell, or do you just put it in the wallet and say, hey, it's a windfall and walk away? And let me tell you, there's good arguments on both sides. Come on by and check it out. OG and I have talked about that here already, Len. I mean, somebody drops a $100 bill. Well, there's that Emo Phillips joke where he says he finds $100 laying in a wallet, right? So he's got the ID. (laughs) He can give it back. And he says to himself, well, if I lost $100 on the sidewalk, what would I want to have happen? And his brain says, I'd want to be taught a lesson. (laughs) Right? There it is. There's no other answer. There's your answer. Perfect. I think that's that's the one. (laughs) But if you want a better answer, probably go to lempenzo.com. Jason, thanks for hanging out, dude. Thanks so much for having me. It was awesome. I'm glad you could be here. So tell us what's coming up at the Wealth Hound. Yeah, so at the Wealth Hound, we're just kind of hitting the extremes. Uh, I just finished up a series about babies and money. Uh, for anyone huh. that's uh, why would you kid, Why would you yeah. talk about that? <laughs> yeah, it fits perfectly. Uh, anyone that's had a kid has, has probably read the book, uh, What to Expect When Expecting. So the series was called What to Expect Financially. Uh, and I brought in personal finance experts and parents to share their advice for new parents. Uh, and then from there, I'll be transitioning into a little bit of retirement planning discussion. So come by and check it out. Did they tell you you'd lose your hair? Because that's what happened to me. Yeah. Gray hair. I expect to be gray by the end of the year. That's yes. Welcome to, to my world. All right, guys. Thanks a ton for playing. Doug, tell us what we should have learned today. So what did we learn today? Thinking about making a change? Remember that you only live once and change. It's really that easy. Like a good captain of a ship, pack enough provisions and chart a course before embarking on your journey, and you're much more likely to succeed. Second, worried about your debt? Remember that it's all about cash flow and interest rates. No need to panic. Just free up cash flow first and then attack the highest interest rate debt you have. And eat that debt elephant one bite at a time. But the big lesson? Don't show up at a fire movement meeting with lighter fluid. Apparently, these guys are all lean fire and like to use a flint and stone to start a fire. God, they're cavemen. Lesson learned. Special thanks to Jason. 
For more from Jason, visit thewealthhound.com. And special thanks to David Fanger from Swell. You can find more at swellinvesting.com or where else? In our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Duh. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Shouldn't that be flint and steel, Joe? <laughs> Not flint and stone. <laughs> like the Flintstones. Yeah. But if you but if you ever have you ever heard our show? Do we ever do we ever get that get anything exactly Doug, right? Uh, you know, you know I have a man crush on Doug. I, it, oh boy. Just, <laughs> just, oh boy. My endearment even more, Joe. His head won't be able to get out of the basement. I mean, you're not gonna be able to get him out of the basement. What are we talking about on today's after show? We, um, what are we, are we talking about anything? What are we talking about on today's show? (laughs) Have you, you know, I have this thing I want to spend a second on. I actually was thinking after Jason was talking about the new member of the Wealthhound family, I was going to ask Len about kids, early days with kids, like telling Jason some horror stories. About when like kids were kids are small. Oh my God. Pull them out, and boy, they are all over the place. I, I got so many great horror stories. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. One of the first things you're going to learn, uh, Jason, is when it comes to this. Isn't a horror story. This is just a, a fact of life. When you're changing diapers, always make sure, especially if it's a boy, you make sure you have that diaper covering a key. The the key component there or you're going to get something right in the face okay <laughs> so just i'll let you know that but but that's not, i'll tell you one of the funniest it's not it's funny now but it was tragic when it happened i was at work one day actually before you get to that len just back on the last point i actually got out of mass one time because my daughter my daughter pooped so hard it just <laughs> it just destroyed everything north of where it came out of it was a day I remember I'd been up like half the night. I, you know, guy was like, yeah, okay, we're going to let you take care of your daughter here instead of sitting in this really hot church. And, uh, I, I, I just remembered I, I've, I've never seen a bigger mess, Len. It was, 
It was like oh, yeah. a, uh, well, that's that's every parent knows how that is. I mean, that's just a fact of life. You're going to get Jason. You're going to you'll be an old pro at that stuff in no time. You, you'll get everything. All the bad stuff's going to happen like that. But it's not a big deal. I mean, it's just you'll get used to it. Yeah. But anyway, so back to your story. Sorry. So my kids were at the time, I think, two and four. And I was at work and I get a phone call from the honeybee. It was probably 10 in the morning. I was like, hello, you know, she's like, you know, the oh, folks, this is before, you know, and I'm saying hello. This is uh, there was no caller ID on my phone at the time. Right. I'm <laughs> this is this is a before caller ID on the phone. So it was the wife. And she's like, Len, she says, come home right now as fast as you can or both your kids will be dead in, in, in a hat. And she and I was like, what? She goes. I'm going to kill these kids unless you come home right now. And she was, I mean, I was, I could hear it in her voice. I was like, okay. I said, don't do anything rash. If you have to be, lock them in one room and you go in the the other room. I am racing home. I was like 30 minutes away. I said, I will be home in 30 minutes. But she didn't tell you what was going on. No, she did not tell me what was going on. But she was very upset. I mean, I could hear it in her voice. So I'm racing home. I'm racing home. I did find. I did ask if you know the kids were okay, and she said yes, but they wouldn't be if I didn't get home soon. So I raced home. So I get home, and she's upstairs. I'm like, "Hello, yeah, honeybee, where are you?" She says, "I'm upstairs. Come up here." So I go upstairs, and the upstairs is. We live in a. Our, our upstairs is like an open floor plan almost. It's like a loft. It's like a total lofty open, and there's just a couple bedrooms hanging off this loft. But the whole loft area, there's this white, it looks like snow in the loft, okay? It's very, very fine white powder. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And and the honeybee says, this is nothing. She goes, come in the bedroom over here. She opens the bedroom door, and both kids are still in there. She left them in there. The kids got into two giant Costco things of baby powder, and they figured out that what they could open the open them up and squeeze that the the powder would come out and it would make like snow oh no that bedroom was covered it was covered i mean and it worked its way out into the loft the kids were covered from head to they looked they were white they looked like the michelin men you know they were just everything was white and you can't get you can't get that stuff out no, it was so fine. She started, she tried it. She took a first attempt and she just gave up. I mean, it was impossible. It was, she was beside herself. And then even I was, I kind of thought it was funny, but I saw she was so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And you're not going to laugh. Crime. You're not going to laugh total, there, Len. No, no, but she was seriously, it took like two weeks to get all that stuff out of the house, but the crime. And I, to this day, I regret it. We did not take a picture. Oh we did no. Not take a picture. Cause we were, so, cause she was so ticked off for one. It was just, you know, that wasn't even thinking of that. And, and honestly, I just, Oh, to my day, one of my biggest life's regrets is not getting the, especially the two <laughs> kids standing there happy as clams, you know, playing in the snow. You know, it's just, uh, it was just, I'll never, we'll never forget. We call it the powder incident. I think that's still to this day. We refer to it as the powder incident. I think that story might've been funnier if it went, they found out the kids got into all the cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny, by the way, that is not funny as a, as a, as a parent, I can joke about that, but yes, yes. Kids, kids and drugs. No, no, no. You've you've lived a good life. If that's one of your main life regrets. 
<laughs> Not snapping the picture. Paula, I bet you were hell on wheels as a kid. <laughs> you know, speaking of pictures, there is a picture of me. It's rather famous within my family of myself as a little kid having like dumped an entire plate of spaghetti on my own face and then just like sitting there with like my palm on my cheek looking all <laughs> forlorn, like like just trailing spaghetti across my face. Do you remember why? Like why? No, no, I was I was in a high chair. Okay. So I was whatever age kids are when they're sitting in high chairs. Apparently, I, I guess I must have assumed that food is consumed topically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If I just spread it all over, if, if I get in the vicinity, maybe I'll, maybe I'll eat. You, you know, my story growing up was a, as a kid was a, being hell on wheels as a little older. I was uh, my my brother was maybe four and I was six. Stop me if I've told this before. But my parents would get us ready for church first and would put my brother and I in the back of the station wagon. And then we'd wait out in the driveway while my parents got ready. Ostensibly, right? They were getting ready. But but anyway, my parents are... <laughs> I'm sure they were. <laughs> my, my, my parents have... So my brother and I are sitting there. And, you know, at six years old, I'm in first grade. The guy down the street, Robert Eastman, is in third grade. And he was my best friend. I turned to my little brother, Tony, and I said, hey, Tony, Robert just taught me this cool new word. Tony says, what's what's the word? I said, oh, it's a great word. It's a fantastic word. And my brother says, well, what is it? I said, it's And my brother goes, what's a I'm like, I don't know, but it's a great word. You know what? When dad gets in the car, call him a And my brother goes, okay, sounds great. So I remember the next part, like it's slow motion. Like my dad comes out of the door of the house, starts walking across the lawn to the car. He gets about three quarters away across the across to the car. And I turn to my brother and I don't know why, because I didn't know what it meant. I just knew that it wasn't as funny. It wasn't going to be as funny in practice as I thought it was at first. I turn to him. I'm like, don't say it. Don't 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 say it. My brother just kind of looks at me and my dad slowly opens the door puts his head in and my brother goes, dad. And I remember my dad turns his head and looks at my brother and my brother looks at him and goes, dad, you're a f <laughs> And my dad just slowly backs his head out of the door, <laughs> closes the door, opens up the back door, grabs me like he's drag he's dragging me into the house the whole way I'm going I didn't say it I said that he said it I didn't say it I got my mouth washed out so bad that day so Jason that's what you got look to look forward to the kids getting into wait. yeah the kids getting into all of the uh all the all the powder and um teaching each other bad words and the spaghetti all over their face yes gotta have that I'll tell you one that from the opposite direction Jason you got to watch out for too so I was always cautious this way, but I remember when I was a, a kid, Joe, you can edit this out if you want. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I was, I was about five years old and I was laying in bed one night and I'm hearing, I'm hearing from my mom and dad's bedroom, my mom just, just having, it, it, something was going wrong in oh, that bedroom. No. <laughs> my mom was really scared or something. She was she was in distress, it sounded like to me as a five-year-old. And I couldn't take it. After about two minutes, I was like, 
I got to I got to go see what's what's happening. So I got out of bed and I opened my mom and dad's bedroom. Oh no. And, uh, oh yeah. And I was like, "Mom, are you okay?" And my dad instantly everything stops and my my dad's like, "It's okay, son." He wraps the his blanket around him and and gets out of bed and gets me. It's okay, son. Your mom's having a terrible dream, but it's okay. <laughs> and he, he walked me back, got me a drink of water, and went took me back to bed. <laughs> so keep the door locked, Jason. <laughs> Night nightmares. Jeez. Such good advice. That's funny. Yeah. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website. Resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life. And Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.